RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with the always interesting Mike Opelka. <laughs> Now we have to fill everyone in. Yeah, before the show, before we get ready to go, Tracy said, I, today's going to be interesting because I don't really have my thoughts together. And I said, welcome to my world. And then related the story of my father, who used to, who's no longer with us, uh, who used to say, uh, whenever you don't like something, maybe your boss did it or somebody did something, you had to tell them what you thought. Just say it's interesting mm-hmm. so you don't hurt their feelings. Yep. And that, my friends, is what we'll be doing today. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting show. The, the whole thing. Uh, uh, Beans, you know, Friday was that whole April Fool's Day thing. And oh, we, oh, was it? Yeah, we don't participate because, you know, the it just it's always like New Year's Eve for drinking. That's amateur night. Same thing with April Fool's Day for me. Uh, I've had my share of fools. But um, I... I I have to tell you a story. I saw something on the internet on Thursday, not Friday. And it was a note from the mayor of Auburn, New York. It's a central New York town, a little bucolic land of 30,000 people. And um, it was a note to pet owners. Oh, boy. Saying that a new city ordinance will take effect uh, April 15th. And it requires that if you're going to have your pet in public, your pet, cat or dog, has to have pants on because um, people have been complaining about exposed animal genitalia. No. And and uh, I'll send you the, the note. No, 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 no. So no. it's just pretty funny. So I, of course, called the mayor of Auburn, New York on Friday after we finished. Because I wanted to find out, hey, Mayor, who's drinking, you know? And uh, he called me back this morning very early. And he was just the nicest man, Michael Quill, and uh, former Marine as well, so he served the country. And he said, no, 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 no. That was somebody who got a hold of our stationery, sent a note to one friend thinking this was funny, and even forged my signature, and it went viral. Oh, boy. It went everywhere. So now... They're actually having a police investigation into this. Oh. So I'll have an update uh, Friday. The mayor, I don't think there's anything serious that's going to happen, but uh, he was quite a lovely man. And I just uh, I appreciate the fact that he took the time to call me. Well, I mean, he probably wants to get out in front of that because they don't care who shows their hoo-ha anywhere anymore. So that, to me, just does not smell legitimate. I thank you for talking about hoo-hahs and then saying it doesn't smell legitimate. You caught that. I was hoping you would. It's Monday. I'm up. Trust me. I was up at four o'clock. I saw. Yeah, I'm always. You know me. I get up early. It's been 30 plus years that I get up at four o'clock in the morning. And so it seems normal to me to sleep in past like six o'clock. I'm like a rancher or a farmer. Um, if you're if you're sleeping Past sunrise, you're burning daylight, son. As I, they I get up very early, too. Um, not as early as you. Well, you have striplings, don't you? I do. I do. Yeah, so you, you've but got- I don't have to get up. Like, my husband takes care of all that. Really? Yeah, he's super dad. 
Wow. Yeah. Does he wear a cape? He does. That's good. He's my superhero. Oh, that's so lovely. That's nice. (laughs) And I love the fact that he wears a cape and hopefully he has more than just the cape on. That's out that, you know, that just depends on. Uh, oversharing. Don't like the oversharing line. Oh, goodness. I was not going there. (laughs) Yeah, but I naturally go there. You must know that. (laughs) I gravitate there. My mind operates like a 15-year-old boy. Okay, Mike. All right. Well, it would have been a good one if I was. I got to get on my game. You sent a couple really good things over the weekend. I did? You have to remind me because that's a long time ago in my history. Well, a couple things. Number one, you said Bruce Willis is now a, a key story. Yeah, this is an interesting story. As last week we heard Bruce Willis was diagnosed with aphasia and um, it, it's um, and would be stepping away from acting for a while. And so I I was digging around in it. I know you were digging around on it. And I also talked to uh, my buddy at the Cleveland Clinic about it. And um, there are several stories that say Bruce Willis was diagnosed like 10 days after he got the injection for either a booster or a second uh, injection of the mRNA vaccine. And so I brought this up to my buddy from the Cleveland Clinic. He goes, well, we don't know um, if there is a causal relationship there, but we do know Bruce Willis has been under investigation for uh, aphasia for longer than the pandemic's been around. That's what they're saying now. Well, you wonder... There still can be a causal relationship, a triggering that could worsen something. Yes. Now, the the problem I have with the Will, with the Bruce Willis story is that everyone on both sides of this issue is clawing around trying to find facts that will benefit their side. Yeah, it's called confirmation bias, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. We all do that. <laughs> so, I mean, I've really been standing in the middle of this being somewhat... Um, cautious about that because I'm seeing the, you know, the establishment media writing about like, oh, he started selling his properties years and years ago, understanding that he, but that's not aphasia. Like from my research so far, aphasia is not something that you typically have like for a long, long, long time. There is a reason for it. It happens. And then usually depending on if the cause was like, you know, if the cause was a blood clot or a brain bleed or a stroke, Technically, they could intervene to reverse some of that, right? Now, it's not, it's not, um, what's it called? <laughs> this is going to be the most ironic. We're having aphasia right now? Is there having <laughs> an episode in front of me? <laughs> what's the, what's the what's brain fart? It's called Alzheimer's. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that wasn't on purpose. It's not Alzheimer's disease, Alzheimer's disease where like, you know, it's something that you're diagnosed with that you really can't do much about other than treat. It's aphasia, which is a supposedly treatable condition in a lot of cases. Well, treatable and, and I can tell you this, um, they call these ischemic events. Yes. Someone very, 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 very close to me had what they call a rhine, a reversible ischemic neurological event. Mm Mm-hmm. And the brain can rewire itself. Your body, your brain is such a magical thing that you can actually find that in the Brokaw where this exists, in that section of the brain where speech happens, the brain can rewire around the problem. Yes. And And that can happen. I know somebody that um, had a clot in their brain 
and it, it calcified and the body created a new network of veins around it. Okay. The brain is amazing. The body is amazing. My point is the diagnosis of aphasia, if this has been going on for some lengthy period of time, doesn't make sense to me. Because it's not something that you diagnose someone with, as far as I know, because I'm sure somebody out there has experienced this, that you stick with this this diagnosis for 10 plus years and you don't really have a way to fix it or work toward, you know what I mean? Well, you know, every every one of these diagnoses are different and everyone treats or everyone's body treats an invasion differently. So um, there are different kinds of aphasia. There are different kinds of strokes. There are different kinds of treatments for those, those problems. And so everybody's different is the answer. And that's kind of a woke expression, I know. But um, I understand, I didn't hear the 10 year thing, but I did hear pre-pandemic. So as something which may be slow to come on or slow to be recognized or diagnosed, there's so many things we don't know because, yeah, your personal health and your your medical history is your history. And well, it's it used private, to be anyway. except we demand it now, don't we? We we do. And the other thing is that, yes, aphasia is a is a side effect of vaccination. Um, and I love the fact, Mike, that your friend from Cleveland Clinic is willing to kind of go there because most people from those institutions are not. Um, they just refuse, completely abjectly refuse or write out of hand immediately a lot of what what we've been talking about, about side effect and about issues for a long time. And there is a there's some data that you sent there were yeah. 52 cases documented at the National Vaccine Information Center. Yeah, now I have no um, relationship to the National Vaccine Information Center, but it's on medalerts.org. And in, um, in 318 of 2022, they say there was a release of data uh, from VAERS. Uh, it's that uh, vaccine. VAERS, yes. Data, yes. Uh, 52 cases where aphasia and vaccination date between 19, 2019 and uh, the, the this is one month they look at or one year, one calendar year of 2019. And they look at ages three and under all the way up to 75. And in the middle demos there of, uh, of uh, 44 to 75 year olds, that's the highest concentration. And they're 10 and 12 in those demos. So Total cases of 52 in that same period. Now, they fast forward to uh, 2022, and this is uh, – my numbers just scrolled on me here. The, the data from uh, 2022 shows that there are 3,057 3, cases where vaccine for COVID-19 – and the symptoms of aphasia are noted. That's a significant jump that should trigger serious investigation, I would think. You know, <clears throat> the issue here, Mike, is that I will say it again. What they've done to people with this vaccine, I'm sorry, like it's, it's criminal. It's criminal. They more and more is coming out every single day. The excess deaths that this one account has been, um, he's a scientist and he's done some amazing work on the pandemic since the very beginning, including with Omicron and where that came out, where it came from, um, all kinds of different things. His name is Ethical, uh, 
the ethical skeptic on Twitter. And he's been tracking excess deaths from a very, very um, super fit, like from a very, very critical point of view. He's not jumping to any conclusions like he's very, very, um, you know, kind of in the middle agnostic, so to speak, about it. But the more he's been saying, the last thing he came out with the other day was there are four novel and commensurate death causes which compose excess non-COVID natural death since week 14 of 2021, which would be for a 12, like mid-March of 2021. Mm -hmm. And they are malignant neoplasm. They're cerebrovascular causes, heart conductive and dysrhythmia causes, and some other other ill-defined and unspecified causes of mortality. There are 266,100 deaths in 50 weeks in those categories. He said, this isn't small. It's like ignoring the Grand Canyon as a pothole, and it's not ending as COVID ends. Well, here's a, here's a, um, a question. You said my, you're happy to hear my friend from the Cleveland Clinic is, is not immediately dismissing things. He's always said that all vaccines have side effects and complications and risks. It's not 100% certain none of them are. Yeah. And, and as we went back in time to the original uh, polio vaccine, it caused cancer and they had to redo it. But, you know, science is supposed to be always on the watch and always looking to make things better. How many people got vaccinated? How many with one vaccination at least? Isn't it like 200 million people, 220 million people? Yeah, supposedly somewhere around there. Yeah. All right. And I'm among them. And you and I have had this discussion about this. I don't want to trigger you any (laughs) need to. uh, But but if we have 220 million people and there are 3057 cases of aphasia that are in diagnosed in the people who have also had this um, this vaccine. Hold on. Yeah. Those are cases that have been reported. Right. All of this is reported. Yeah, but there are that that means that you have had to convince a doctor or some medical professional to put that in the in the VAERS system. Sure. I get that. I get that. Okay. And, um it it is um based on that, if you if you put a zero after it, if you made it thirty thousand cases. It still is 0.0001398 percentage points. And I would then multiply that times four or 10. Okay, so now you're still you're still at point. That's okay for you. You know that they've pulled medicines off the market for like 50 adverse events. (laughs) But I I think, yeah, I've seen like, but I think we need to look at that and do a relative comparison to every other vaccine that's out there. And then let people, here's where I, I fall on this. Let people make the decision. The, the, yes. We okay. don't have, there was a dump on Friday of Pfizer data. Oh, yes, right? there was. And I'm sure you've been through this. And I, I'd like to know not only aphasia. Oh, there's plenty. Serious, but I'd like to talk about the deaths of of uh, babies that women were carrying. Yeah. And the deaths of the pregnant women, not, not birthing people, pregnant women. Because- I think all of these are are important, every single one of them. And until we have complete transparency, 
then you can't mandate people get a vaccine if you're not going to have full transparency on the possible side effects. Well, that's the thing. And I'm, I'm 100 percent with you on that. And the, the problem is that the numbers you're using to base your risk benefit analysis on are completely flawed and not true. And we're seeing that as these documents come out. I mean, they pushed this thing through trial to EUA approval, knowing all of this. And it's absolutely abhorrent because if you extrapolate across it, like they told pregnant women it was safe to get this and it's not, it's just not, I don't care, you know, if it's, if it's a hundred pregnant women and here, 270 pregnancies occurred and were reported in the trial. One pregnancy resulted in a normal birth. Another birth reported resulted in a neonatal death. Um, They didn't report any of the other outcomes of 238 pregnancies because they were still ongoing at the time that this was written. There were 25 spontaneous abortions and one fetal death. Spontaneous abortion happens in the first 20 weeks of pregnancy, and there were seven more terminations of pregnancy. Basically, it's a 50-50 proportion of birth to death if if this is the trial. Like, one baby died, one baby lived. That's well, it, there, There's so much here that needs to be answered. You know, there's so many questions that have to be addressed here in in terms of how do those stats compare with how many pregnancies was it? 137 pregnancies or something. So they've immediately jumped to that every time they've immediately jumped to. Well, this this tracks along with the normal, you know, birth and and show me the stats, people. That's what I say. Show me the normal statistics of, of the same number of pregnant women. So we did we did a piece on this when this first started trickling out and Michelle Edwards wrote it for us. And she she did a lot of work into it to kind of show what they were not including in like they they cherry pick their data. And that's the thing that's the most criminal to me, because then I sit with somebody not like you because you're pretty open minded, but I sit with some folks that are not as open-minded. And I think there's a, like a myriad of reasons why they're not open-minded, which we can talk about, but they refuse to acknowledge the fact that the data set has been flawed beyond all recognition. Like they used to call it FUBARD when you're working with a computer. Yes, I understand the acronym. Yes. And, and because we have no good data, because they won't tell us the truth about it, and because the culture of reporting all of this is so disgusting. Like we've had doctors on who have been threatened with their medical licenses for actually reporting vaccine injury or writing vaccine exemption letters for people. So because of the cancel culture and the prevailing narrative around this, we've not been able to get data that because people are just ignoring it. They're just saying, oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. But it does. You see what I'm saying? So it's a huge, huge problem. Like somebody gets sick and they after the the vaccination and they're like, well, we're not talking about this. You know, it has nothing. This is just a random occurrence. But then you find like 100 other people with the same, quote, random occurrence and nobody will acknowledge them. Like Project Veritas did a whole big story about how they won't report to VAERS. They say it takes too long or they don't feel like doing it or they'll get in trouble if they do. They had a whistleblower that came out and said a whole hospital system wouldn't report to VAERS. And the doctors are are on camera being recorded, not knowing they're being recorded, of course, saying how they know that it's tied to the vaccine, but they still won't report it to VAERS. That's happening all over the country in many other ways. And 
doctors who are treating these people are forced to choose between their livelihood and career moving forward or helping people and acknowledging these vaccines have caused absolutely massive, like massive amounts of, 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 of illness and death. And it, it's I don't think you're, you're ever going to get your pure data set, Mike. Well, therein lies the problem. So if there's always garbage in, then there can be no reliable data out. Maybe uh, maybe Wednesday, if you want. I think James is available to us if you want to do a, a deeper dive on that. I would love to, actually. Right. Let me see if I can uh, hook that up for Wednesday. James O'Keefe, um, who we, I think we both talked to on different occasions. and Yeah. Get, get an update from him on this. Here, Herein lies uh, another parallel. Before you jump to that, can you write it down so you remember? I have one more thing on this vein. Are you afraid I've got some kind of aphasia? I'm going to forget what I was going to say. No, I'm afraid that you wake up at four in the morning and you're just not going to be sharp today, Mike. No, I'm <laughs> I am, I am slicker than Al Poop right Actually, now. I'm ready to go. Truthfully, I'm asking you to do that because I don't want to forget mine. Oh, go ahead then. <laughs> it does have to do with this, though. The Department of Defense. There were four doctor whistleblowers from the Department of Defense who pulled numbers from their databases of certain injury and sickness in the military. Okay, and the numbers were like off the charts. I have uh, two columns on this, actually. And once that came out into the mainstream press, there was like 800 percent increases in some of these conditions, Mike, among the members of the military. And the DOD said, oh, whoops, um, there was an error in our formulas that we were using. We have to fix this database now. We're taking it offline. They took it offline for like the first time in history, brought it back online a month later. And the only criteria where there was a, quote, formula issue were the criteria that were chosen by these whistleblowers. None of the other data changed. (laughs) So now you tell me, you tell me how we're supposed to do what you need. Uh, It's crazy. And uh, in addition to that story about the military, we can go back almost 40 years. I think it was 40 years, might even been a little bit more. Uh, Montel Williams was graduating from the Naval Academy. And when you graduate, as you're getting ready to leave and go to whatever command they assign you, they give you a bunch of injections because you're going to be uh, planted oh, in the world somewhere. And they line them up and it's with those those uh, guns that shoot the injections into people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a massive repetitive delivery system. Montel got sick as a dog yep. after that and then soon after was diagnosed with MS. Yep. And they always wonder because there were more than – more than a couple of people who got sick if the machine was miscalibrated and was delivering doses many more times than needed. And your body reacts to things like that. This is an invasion into your system and your body, your body handles these things differently. So uh, this is not a unique situation, but it's also one that needs to be public. And I, I was going to, I parallel situation And to give you an idea of how timelines have to be shoved into this, the truth sometimes takes time to come out. Look at all of the ovarian cancer cases that were related to, was it talcum powder, baby powder? Yeah. Yeah, And how long that took. Yep. That that, that most of the people who should have been taken care of 
didn't survive long enough to see the answer. No, and and sometimes it takes that long. The problem is, is that these things are happening very quickly, very quickly to people. And I'm sure, you know, look, talk to Dr. Ryan Cole, pathologist, largest pathology lab in the state of, I want to say, Idaho. He runs the largest pathology lab and he started seeing this stuff immediately. Young people in their 30s with very rare cancers coming in like that you don't normally see in people that age group, like over and over and over again. And he's doing all this pathology on like he's he's gone. He's blown the whistle on it. Of course, he's now a crazy conspiracy theorist because anybody that talks about this stuff is a crazy conspiracy theorist. Like, I don't know that the media realizes I'm wrong. They do. I don't know why the government decided that they wanted to like literally straight up maim millions of people, but 200,000 excess deaths, that means deaths above what is typical. That's a lot of people, Mike, in those categories that we know now are very common for vaccine injury. That's 200,000 people. Well, again, is the data legit? I go back to all this and I'm not saying I'm downplaying it. I'm just saying if this is all fruit of the poison tree and I, I look and everywhere I go, I have to be the skeptical inquirer great website, great magazine, if it's still around, that you have to look at everything and say, I doubt it. Show me the proof. Show me your work. Well, the excess death statistics are coming from the the government's excess death statistics. And so I would argue, like, likely they're downplayed. But I don't know how you do that. You have to report deaths. Like You have to report deaths, but as we know from the several several thousands of cases of people who died and their birth certificate says from COVID, it was with COVID because in many cases they were hit by a bus or gunshots as the case was in Denver with two guys who were on the slab dead from lead poisoning and the, uh, the death certificate said from COVID when it was. Yeah. Commanding. It's, it's terrible. And, and just to continue on with the, the data that came out of this, uh, this last tranche, which is 11,000 pages. So I haven't even, to be honest, I haven't started it. Michelle is in there. She's reading already, but I haven't even gotten into it yet because of all the other crap going on. But it, it, it appears, and we said this too, breastfeeding sheds vaccine. So infants who are breastfeeding from their vaccinated mothers are having adverse events in this trial as well. 133 vaccinated mothers. There were 17 cases of adverse events in breastfed infants. So well, what's what's that? What's that percentage, Mike? I I think we know. Um, I don't. I'm not. I, it was my understanding there was to be no math. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, I, I I will do it if you want me to. Uh, I didn't have my pen out or my Bomar brain. If that's an old obscure cultural reference, <laughs> um, the the. Um, We've known for years that infants get nutrition and negative from mother's milk. We have known that for a bazillion years. Yeah. That's why so many women stop drinking during pregnancy. So many of my generation who had kids say, well, I stopped drinking because I didn't. I'm like, well, my mother drank through the whole pregnancy. Look at me. And they go, exactly. (laughs) So. Why would we not say, and in many cases, they've told women who were uh, expecting and or um, just delivering not to get the vaccine until 
after you've stopped breastfeeding. I've heard that advice to people. So why, why would we be surprised by that? And why, if we're not vaccinating tiny infants or people under the age of five, would we consider breastfeeding safe if the the mother had taken a vaccine? Because you can't say anything about this vaccine not being safe for people at all. Well, I think you I think we need to draw that line in the sand. And and that's the one again, the one thing about Roizen is he opens up by saying no vaccine is completely 100 percent safe. And he relies on whatever latest data they have to point out the risks versus rewards. What about all of the peer reviewed studies that have been taken down because some editor at some medical journal doesn't think that they're good? Well, that then we have to. um either indict that removal or question that editor further. Because obviously, as, as we learned last week in the, the data release and the, the fact that uh, both my former employer, The Blaze, and Vanity Fair are now agog over what happened in Fauci's office starting on January 31st of 2020, mm-hmm. and we've been talking about it forever, and Jim Jordan talked about it forever, um, we have to, we just have to make sure we're not accepting anyone's word as gospel these days. And these are our medical institutions that Americans are supposed to be trusting. Well, at this point, I go back to the adage that was taught to me as a youth. Trust is just the name on a bank. <laughs> yeah, you can't even trust them either. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I lost interest, if you will. Oh my gosh! Um, I, 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 we do we have any other stuff we need to do on this one? Or the, the only thing I want to say is the reason why I think people will not will not um, come to the table, and you know, you're open minded, like I said, but some people just refuse to acknowledge some of the the downside, and I think that it all stems from guilt, Mike, because a lot of these people were so were so passionate about this vaccine and forcing their relatives to get it so that they could see them and saying that people that didn't get it didn't care about people around them and, you know, clawing to this moral high ground about vaccination so we can all get back to normal and believing in it. And now they're starting to realize that they could have been um, incidentally participating in harm and they can't live with that. So instead of like reflecting and saying, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I need to, you know, fix this or come to terms with it. They're just tripling down. See, that's just stupid. That's a sign of someone who doesn't understand uh, the the need to be honest with themselves and then ultimately with others. I, I've said since day one, and I, I'm one of the people, again, vaccinated, boosted, yelled at by Tracy Beans on several occasions, <laughs> but it was always based on Every bit of information I could get from the most intelligent, reliable people I had. And uh, I will tell you, my wife and I had this discussion last night when we were reading together. I was reading the uh, Bruce Willis data with her and talking about it. And she goes, so we're not getting another booster? I said, hell no, there is not. We have gotten, we've rolled the dice three times. And we've we've come up winners three times, or at least we didn't come up losers. Yeah. And we're walking away from the table right now with the chips we came in with. There's one more thing you have to do. You have to reevaluate who the smartest people you know are, because 
I do that every day. <laughs> I'm sitting over here. Like, hi, Mike. I'm in the back. <laughs> no, I do that every day, Tracy. And 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 you are. You are among them. You just got outvoted at the time. Oh, well, uh, listen, you're here. I love you. And we're moving on. So it's fine. What else do you got here? You have something else you wanted to talk about today. Oh, there's so many things. Golly, Bob, howdy. Um, I, I have um, I have something fun that we have to end with, so I'm saving room for that. Uh, we talked about it last week and the fact that it wasn't new, the story about Jen Snarky uh, heading to MSNBC. Yes. And I, I just can't believe she's still allowed to take questions from the media when she's not long for the position she's in and headed to be a part of them. You know, she's going to be seeing uh, Kristen Welker in the break room coming up in, in the very near future. Why? You, she, you think that they care about the appearance of impartiality anymore? No, they don't. But it, it is. Is it not disturbing to you that 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 exists, that that's happening? Yeah. You know, for, for example, um, I, I have the moment from uh, Friday's press conference. And I, as I was watching and I'm thinking, all right, it's April 1st. How, it, it, this has got to be, they got to be saying, you're just kidding. But uh, Kristen Welker, NBC News, MSNBC, uh, pressed her on, on the question. And uh, we just have to address this. Sure. Future plans. Um, and at whatever time I leave the White House, I can promise you the first thing I'm going to do is sleep and spend time with my three and six year olds who are my most important audiences uh, of, of all. Um, but I would say, Kristen, that, uh, again, I uh, have done uh, have taken the ethics, legal requirements uh, uh, to the highest uh, very seriously uh, in any discussions and any considerations about any future employment, just as any White House official will. And I've taken steps beyond that to ensure there's no conflicts. And I understand what you're saying, but I guess the question is, how is it ethical to have these conversations with media outlets while you continue to have a job standing behind that podium? So and it, that, she asked, how is it ethical for you to be having meetings and discussing all the money you're going to get? Because she's going to get paid a ton of money. She'll get five million a year. Who wants to watch this woman? Well, she's uh, not even going to have anybody watching. Nobody likes her. She's almost as unlikable as Kamala. No, nobody on our side likes her. There are a whole bunch of people who think she is. She is a wizard. And and Dana Perino, who was in that same role, said, you know, I may not agree with her, but her skill set is solid. So you but you, can you imagine? Let's go forward to the first day of Jen Snarky transitioning. I, I use that word intentionally, people transitioning from White House to MSNBC, there's really no difference in the people you're hanging out with, except the pay is going to be a lot more. And you walk into the break room and you you walk over to the Keurig machine because you're a hypocrite and you create more waste with the little Keurig cups, but you got the free Keurig cups in the, in the staff break room. And there's Kristen Welker and Jen Snarky. And, you know, she's now the new girl. And you asked her this question. What does Snarky answer? Well, there are uh, a range of stringent ethical and legal requirements that are imposed on everybody in this administration and many administrations past about any conversations you're having with future employers. Um, that is true of any industry you're working in. Uh, and I have abided by those and tried to take steps to go beyond that as well. All right, because oh, you say I, so? I would like to see those those rules. Because she never said what they were. She goes, there are rules. 
and I have abided by them. And what what are they? Well, as long as it's MSNBC or CNN, you're good. I, I, you know, but Fox News, no, you can't talk to them. It's it's it, nothing surprises me. It doesn't surprise me. No one's going to hold her accountable for it, and nobody will hold anyone accountable for it, even when. There is the ability uh, to hold them accountable for it because that's just the way things work. Yeah. Uh, well, let's remember Brennan is working at MSNBC already. He's already getting paid. It just astounded me to to hear that. And she was asked for like four minutes from three different reporters. How is this OK, basically? <laughs> How is this a good deal? And and it just uh, it stuns me. Do they actually really care? Do they follow some code of ethics? Did you see the uh, journalist quote that is now with BuzzFeed, who used to be with The New York Times, who has come out saying she has PTSD from being attacked online? Oh, yeah. She was she was actually suicidal. Yeah. And meanwhile, this woman is single handedly probably the biggest, most horrible bully on the face of the the earth in terms of worse than Brandy Zadrogny, who I can say is very bad. Well, as these, I've been oh, on the opposite of that. And and this lady's uh, name escapes me, but I watched her tearful breakdown. And all I can say is um, if these people really care, the people who are posting all this and interviewing these snowflakes, if they really care about them, you wouldn't post it. You would help them get mental health help. You would help them to counseling instead of saying, Ooh, you're, you're crying. I'm going to play this on air. I I actually have it here. Hold on. Hold on. What's a woman's name? I'm looking for it. I I don't remember her name. It's some snotty sounding name. Um, hold on. I'm going to pause it really quickly. A little bit of an opinion. Yeah. Naughty sounding lady. Well, it is. Hold on. It was it was Taylor Lorenz. Mike found it. Taylor Lorenz. Yes. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Okay. Uh, this is a brief clip from that moment. Uh, they'll, they'll threaten children. They'll threaten my parents. I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I, I contemplated suicide. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating and terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's overwhelming. So this Um, clip was obviously posted by Mediate, another liberal organization attempting to draw attention to a liberal who is now claiming that uh, the the work is just too hard and it's terrifying and horrifying. Well, get help. Don't not, go to the media. <laughs> not only that, but what she has done to people, like she's being sued for libel a couple times, a, a couple suits right now. She has destroyed people's lives on lies that she's concocted, okay? I don't care how much this woman suffers. She has done this to countless people, destroyed their entire lives, and then she's sitting up there with her crocodile tears. No, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm more mystified by uh, Washington Post reporter Taylor Lorenz and the um, the person that's sitting next to her. I don't understand what's going on there. There's something. Was there something tied to this that was part of the LGBTQRSTVU 
whatever agenda? I don't know why they were up there in the first place. I don't know. But I do know that some of the people that she'd attacked once they saw that came out and like, I don't know if anybody understands. Mike, have you ever been on the receiving end of like a an onslaught of of a like negative stuff on social media? Uh, briefly, and I was doxxed. You were? Yeah. Okay, so I had to call the police. I've had this happen to me a, a bunch of times, um, and and you know it's funny because like there are there are very few times I respond to any of it. Just because responding to it just brings more attention to it and it's silly. Yeah. Um, but sometimes something will just irk me after seeing, you know, a whole bunch of something during the day and I'll just respond to it. And everybody's always like, stop responding to it. Like nobody understands really what it's like to be under like a coordinated attack from somebody based on lies. Like it's not like the things that that the directors and orchestrators of these things are telling are the truth. They make up lies about you and then they 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 incite tens of thousands of people to come after you all at one time. And yeah, it's uh, it's disturbing uh, and I, I can handle it. I'm pretty thick skinned. My wife always says, why do you why do you bother? Why 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 do these people do this? And I said, it's fine. I don't care. I'm never going to see them. Yeah. And and they went after her mm-hmm. and then they talked about people should come visit us and put our home address online and um, talked about teaching a lesson and it, that had to get stopped. So when you I can deal with them, as my mother used to say, you're big and ugly enough to handle it. Yep. And I'm good with that. But do not do not cross. The, I, get my wife's name out <laughs> of father mouth anyway. i have i have invoked the authorities on two occasions myself for similar reasons it's it's so it's so disturbing like n- none of the things that people say about me are true so i don't really care like i know i don't you know what i mean like whatever like you're saying like if people are going to believe that kind of crap like we're back in high school Fine, whatever. That I mean, I'm not going to defend myself against a negative. It's ridiculous. But yeah. don't it, bring my kids and don't bring my husband into it. Yeah. Stay, get, keep my family's name out your mother. I'm going to leave it alone. Sorry. I it's, listen. not refuse. It's all good. It's all good. So there was that. Um, You had more. Go ahead. Yeah, there were a couple other things that happened this weekend, aside from the Jen Snarky thing. Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., our president was in the town where I live in Wilmington, Delaware. And nobody cared? No, no, a lot of people cared. He was commissioning a brand new submarine, the USS Delaware. And it's the first time in 100 years that a, a naval vessel has carried that name. And this is a brand new vessel. It's a, it's going to be a, a vessel used in, in combat. So a nuclear-capable, I believe, submarine. But... Um, in the words of the great Australian broadcaster. What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? <laughs> so yes. um, Joe was up there dedicating the USS Delaware. And, uh, well, let's just say he caused a little confusion. And I'm deeply proud of the work she's doing as First Lady with Joining Forces Initiative. She started with Michelle Obama when she was vice president and now carries on. Michelle Obama, when she was vice president. I wouldn't doubt that that's actually true. 
Well, you know, there've been those little rumors that Michelle is going to be brought in as vice president. Really? Where'd you hear those? Oh, there's a couple of them floating around there. Just put that in there, Michelle Obama, vice president. So if somebody whispered that to Joe saying, hey, you know, Joe, in one of these meetings just before they go out there, what if Michelle Obama became vice president? You know, if Kamala decided to retire and then he's out there and he's speechifying and talking about Jill. And And I'm deeply proud of the work she's doing as first lady with joining forces initiative. She started with Michelle Obama when she was vice president and now carries on. By the way, the White House has already corrected the transcript to clean that up. Of course they have. Um, my a couple of different questions. What is the process if, let's say, Michelle Obama is going to become vice president if Joe Biden and Kamala resign? Well, if uh, all the president gets to pick, so they would have to have Kamala resign. She would have to step down or or something or be impeached over something, uh, just her basic inability to put a sentence together. But if she were to step aside. Joe gets to pick. It's his choice. And uh, it has to get approved by Congress, of course. And that that's pretty much, you know, a simple deal that the president's choice will be honored. Uh, and and if that happens and then Joe does what he told us he would do. If 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 I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. So if that happens, then if Michelle Obama's vice president, she's automatically president and she gets to select her vice president. And in the case of Gerald Ford and Nelson Rockefeller, that was the first president and vice president in the history of the country who did not receive a single vote for the positions they held because Ford replaced Spiro Agnew when he resigned and Nixon appointed and nominated him. So he became the vice president. Nixon resigns. Ford becomes president, picks Nelson Rockefeller as his vice president. And we have a president and vice president who were never elected. That's terrible. Well, it is part of the way the system is built. But the reality is there's a lot of whispering out there. Will it happen? I sincerely doubt it. After this weekend when Hillary Clinton plop, popped up, I almost said plopped up, which is probably it's more kind apt. of the same. It's, it's more apt. <laughs> it is. Plopped up and propped up Hillary Clinton on Meet the Press with uh, chuckles there. And uh, she was talking tough about what we should do to Putin. I'm thinking... Why isn't the president say this? Why is she out there? And um, the the real difficult thing, and uh, there was not one question of Hillary Clinton about the uh, fine that the Federal Election Commission placed upon her for the Steele dossier. Not one question about it. They're just paying it to get it out of the way. Well, I, I don't know if it's going to go that far. But speaking of Kamala, why should she? Be um, why should she be shown the door? Uh, did you see her interview with Joyless Reed? From no, MSNBC. No, nope. uh, well, because I care about you, I watched, oh. you didn't have to. Thank you. Um, and uh, Joy Reed asked her, you know, Joe Biden said Vladimir Putin should be removed. Do you agree with that? And just listen to this and tell me if you think she ever answered the question. The longer term impact. Um, Wait a minute, I got to back it up just a touch. 
That was the question, though. Real cost. Exactly. Listen, I think that you you framed the point quite accurately and well, which is America's policy has been and will continue to be focused on the real issue at hand, which is one, the needs of the Ukrainian people, which we will continue to support through humanitarian assistance, through security assistance, but also ensuring that there's going to be serious consequence for Vladimir Putin and Russian aggression as it relates to Ukraine, which is why our policy from the beginning has been about ensuring that there are going to be real cost exacted against Russia in the form of severe sanctions, which we know are having a real impact and an immediate impact, not to mention the the longer term impact, um, which is about saying there's going to be consequence and accountability. What in the hell did she even say? She's only halfway done. What? The, 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 the question was, do you agree that Vladimir Putin should be removed? Maybe she's going to get to it in the second half here. When you commit the kinds of um, atrocities that he is committing. And I think the president has been a, an extraordinary leader. To your point, Joy, I've been to Poland. I was in Romania. I've been to Europe, I think, Probably at least three times. Never to the southern border. Uh, I was in Munich, Germany, where I gave a a speech at the Munich Security Conference. I was in France before that, speaking with heads of state about this issue, among many other issues, but most recently about this issue. And I will tell you, in sitting down with prime ministers and presidents, often the first thing they would say to me is thank you to the United States and this administration for bringing us together, for building the coalition, for reinvigorating the relationship between the United States and its NATO allies, reinvigorating the relationship and the importance of the relationship to the EU in terms of an issue like Ukraine, which is ultimately about one of the most important principles that we, we, we are fighting for, which is the importance of sovereignty and territorial integrity. So getting back to my question, it's insane, is it not? First of all, did she say sovereignty is important? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, southern border, hello, hello. I mean, the one place that this B-I-T-C-H has never been. Well, it's a good thing she learned something from the young lady who was a junior Miss... South Carolina contestant was asked why most Americans can't find important countries on the map. So I keep. And and it uh, it sounds like this. I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and I believe that they should uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very much. Hold on. Hold on. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point 
in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Such a brilliant, brilliant line from the movie. I, I've always thought if I could have authored any speech, any line in any movie, it would have been Bogart to uh, uh, what's her name? To it, it was uh, Harry. What's his name in uh, Casablanca? Harry to to uh, Ilsa when she, she will always have Paris. That speech. And no, I'm thinking the Billy Madison speech is even more appropriate. <laughs> I mean, you could play that after everything that any of our politicians say nowadays. Well, it's like uh, my buddy Rich talks about. Every time she speaks, he wants to interrupt her 20 seconds in and go, you didn't read the book, did you? That, that's what I, it's, it's insane. <laughs> so here we are. And that's the reason why. Uh, the Democrats who are in disarray they have a problem trying to decide which one of these people should get forced out first. Well, in the scheme of, of all of their evil plans and in what they want to do, the, the real answer is to push out Kamala first to bring in the vice president so Joe can be eased out. And then they could have two years of practicing as president before the next election because uh, they don't have options with Kamala or really with Mayor Pete, even though they're thinking Mayor Pete is a is a good option. Why do he, you think that they're thinking that? Because he checks the box. He checks the the wokeness box. We could have a gay yeah, but, vice president, a gay president. But that's what got them in this position in the first place. Yeah, they don't learn quickly. They they're not people who understand. They think everything's fine. Remember. Remember, Nancy Pelosi told us last week. It's perfect for now. Yeah, so it, it, they don't learn. Uh, they're only learning now. Think about how long it's taken them to run away from uh, the Black Lives Matter crew and the mostly peaceful protest and uh, defunding the police is a bad idea. It took them almost two years to get away from that. So they're not quick learners, but they are starting to see what's happening with the polling. And they're very concerned about 2022, as they should be. And there's going to be all kinds of giveaways. Guess who's showing up at the White House tomorrow, Who? by the way? Barack Hussein Obama. Why? Because it's the 12th anniversary of Obamacare and Joe Biden's polls are sucking wind. But he so, doesn't even do well anymore. Well, he still does. Be he does better with the demographic that's really hurting. And they have lost more, and it's like 32 to 35 percent of the black demographic are looking at Biden and going, why did we do this? Yeah, but I don't think that, I mean, granted, this is just me taking the pulse of the folks that are saying this, because I've read like some interviews that people have done and seen some things. It's not that they're disillusioned just with Joe Biden. They're disillusioned with their party as a whole. And I don't know that Barack Obama can save that. Well, you have to look at the factions because there is disillusionment with the Democratic Party. There's disillusionment among black voters and it's a huge block. So you put your money into which which can give you the best return. So if you can bring some of that huge block back, you do that with Obama. The green people are pissed off that they can't get all of their agenda going forward because of the gas and, and the war. 
but they're not a big block. The independent voters are ticked off about the inflation, and I don't know how you get them back, but they're working feverishly to do that. The only way to do it is with uh, regulation of maybe interest rates. So the biggest block is the African-American block. The independents are still kind of wavering, and the greenies are – they're not really uh, a good return on investment. So Obama's the easiest one. And if people are talking about Michelle Obama, then you want to give him some good pats on the back too. So tomorrow, Barack Hussein Obama pops into – I wonder if his key still works at the White House. I don't know that he's ever left – Ooh, well done. That's a three-pointer from the outside from Tracy Beans. Do you want to, real quick before we end the show, hop into this uh, confirmation vote and see what's going on? Uh, Katenji Brown-Jackson? Yes. Is it is it happening? Right now. I didn't, uh, I've been avoiding it. Me too, here. Because it, okay, go ahead. No, go in. ahead, because what? I was going to say, because even if it's 11-11, it still goes on to the full Senate. The committee means nothing. Yeah, I know, but they're talking, so who knows what they're saying. Let's see. All right. ...is widely thought across the judiciary to have a serious problem with it. And you actually look at where these sentences fall in that actual matrix. There is nothing to see here. This is all part of what was cooked up by the former opposition research director for one of our colleagues, this... Uh, Dark money funded uh, oh, American Accountability Foundation. Take a drink. Everybody take a drink. Is that Sheldon Whitehouse? Yep. Uh, he says dark money more than, <laughs> more than the mainstream media said Russian collusion. <laughs> says it, that's his drink word. If, if he says dark money, we get to take a, dr- a drink. So hold on a second. <sighs> a little bourbon. The drinking, like the, the drinking patriots would be proud. Uh, I'm with you. So Sheldon Whitehouse is such a toad. <laughs> it's always dark money, dark money, dark money, dark yeah. money. He, he, that's that's his word. He's like Harry Reid with the Koch brothers. Did he ever say anything about dark money in the elections? Just out of curiosity. Um, no, but uh, <laughs> last week during the confirmation hearings, he mentioned he never asked a question of Katenji Brown Jackson, but he did bring up dark money. I think it was like 14 times he mentioned dark money just within that one little window of his whatever his 10 minute time was. We'd be drunk. We would be. We'd be on a a list to get a new liver. Drunk. So I I think it's a fait accompli. Uh, Although there was a a case that I think the New York Post found it over the weekend that one of the people that Katenji Brown Jackson gave a, a a small sentence to a child molester was um, r- arrested again and charged with assault. Yeah. So good work, Judge Jackson. She's fantastic. I swear. Gross. And I, I know I said we shouldn't pick on people who who obviously need mental health uh, assistance online when they post stuff. But did you see the TikTok posting of the woman about the um, grasshoppers or the crickets? No, I didn't see this one. Okay. Um, and I just, <laughs> I have to let it breathe because I initially thought she was acting, but then she kind of has a little a little crying jag at the end. Well, so she woman posted this on the TikTok. It was sent to me. Inflation is... That's not it. Oh, this is uh, Jimmy Carter. Hold on, hold on. I'm all twisted up on my, my stuff here. I, 
I know it's Monday. I'm sorry, people. BMP, Bummer Monday phenomenon. So this was on the TikToks. So I keep getting um, crickets in my house. I don't know why. I've never had a cricket problem before, but I, I looked it up and apparently it's it's really bad luck to kick them out of your house. So this is an adult. This is a young adult. I saw this one. You did. Yeah. I'll let go then. Like you're not supposed to kick them out of your house, but like what am I supposed to do? Like let you stay here? Now there's like 36 crickets running around because I did kick out one. And let me tell you, I had a really, really horrible week after that. She almost swore twice. Yep. Did you hear? Yep. I, I had really, I, I wish, and she, a horrible week. And now they're just running around. And I'm like, please move. I just want to make a piece of toast and you're in my way. <laughs> and I open a cabinet. And it's just like, oh, hey, cricket that I can't kick out of my house. Can you please just leave? I don't want to kick you out. I just want to ask you nicely to leave. My house is just infested with crickets. There's nothing I can do about it. Well, it is a food source. Is I it feel not? horrible for her. It's a food source, right? I feel very bad for her. I, really do. I do feel bad for her. So bad you're laughing. She's so lost. I really I feel for her. I do. She's got a problem. I will leave you. I have one more clip, and I, I kind of teased it earlier. Uh, you know, we got an inflation problem, and it's not going to back down for quite some time. And uh, today, Germany, the food food uh, producers and sellers in Germany are raising food prices 20 to 50% because of inflation, not because of Putin. It's all inflation-based. Uh, and uh, if we had a, an honest comedic media, they would make fun of Biden's lies about inflation. But we did. We did back in the 70s when SNL started and Jimmy Carter was presiding over a horrible economy with out of control inflation. And he was the cause. And uh, Dan Aykroyd played Jimmy Cotta on Saturday Night Live. And it kind of reminds me of the policies of today. <laughs> people on fixed incomes. They have always been the true victims of inflation. That's why I will present to Congress the Inflation Maintenance Program, whereby the U.S. Treasury will make up any inflation cost losses through direct tax rebates to the public in cash. Now, you may say, won't that cost a lot of money? Won't that increase the deficit? Sure it will. But so what? We'll just print more money. We have the papers. We have the mints. I can just call up the Bureau of Engraving and say, hi, this is Gemma. Roll off some of them 20s. Print up a couple of thousand sheets of those century notes. Sure, the glut of dollars will cause even more inflation, but who cares? Everybody will be a millionaire. And, and that is the reality. And here we are. Yeah. It predicted it, but we don't have a comedic element in the mainstream media that will mock what's going on right now. They're just. We do actually have a comedic element. In the mainstream media? No, well, I mean, no. You're talking Gutfeld or... No, who? I'm talking about the conservative mama, Mike. The conservative mama. Which one? You never heard of her before? I think I have. What's her... What's her? Can you tell me her government name? She doesn't have one that I know of. Okay. But her name is um, conservative mama. <laughs> Here. Is that this uh, virus came from a lab in China, right? I mean, China... Okay. Um, Where is your tinfoil hat? 
like, honestly, do you wear it all the time or just at home or I'm two weeks to slow the spread stuff? This is going to last longer than two weeks. Just watch. It's only going to be two weeks. Okay. They clearly stated it's just going to be two weeks to slow the spread. They're going to try to keep the churches shut down. No, they're not. She's going back and forth with all the, quote, conspiracy theories that came true. I, I know this lady. I call her Con Mama. Well, that's what she's on Twitter. That's what she yeah, is. Yeah, we follow each other. Oh, well, there she's you very, go. She is talented, and she has more followers than me. And no blue check mark. Speaking of Twitter, did you hear the potentially good news? What? Oh, Elon Musk? Yeah, well, he tweeted that there may be a shakeup coming to Twitter, and then it's revealed today that he is now the single largest individual shareholder of Twitter. I think he bought 10%. Yeah, just over 9%, somewhere around there. So he might have some things to say about what's happening at Twitter. I mean, Jack just came out yesterday, too. Well, Jack left, didn't he? He still owns shares in Twitter, but he came out yesterday and said he regrets the corporatism that took over, and he knows that he was part of that, and he's sorry. Yeah, well, you're closing the barn door after the horse is out, Jack Wagon. I sat next to him at some Silicon Valley luncheon one day. And you told us that story, I remember. It's, just so, it's still so weird to me, and, and people are mad that I didn't say anything to him. But, uh, yeah, I think this could bode well for social media, even if it only means incremental changes, but it needs to happen. And I, I think I welcome this because I think he's a good disruptor, Elon. I don't agree with everything he's doing, but I think he's a good disruptor. Maybe – Truth Social should have bought 10% of Twitter. Now, I wonder if there are others who will come forward and say, by the way, we have a block of us who now own 35, 40% of you. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty interesting just to just to hear the sphincters tightening in the boardroom of Twitter when they realize, oh, my God, we're outnumbered. Yeah, by a lot. I guess I I, we went long today and I was sorry. No, that's okay. I'm surprised because we know how it started with me. Yeah, it was very rough today. <laughs> but but we got we're out when we didn't even get to the discussion of maps. No, minor attractive persons. Yeah, I we have to talk about the insanity and all of this Disney wokeism is really the gateway drug to get us to accept pedophilia. Ag- agreed, and we can do that on Wednesday because it's important. And maybe we'll get James O'Keefe. So oh, that, that would be great too. So I'll read. I'll make that uh, call today. Oh, perfect. Well, great. You have been listening, Mike. I have. <laughs> to, to the Dark Delight podcast with me, Michael Pelka, and Mines. <laughs> you can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at two thirty Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Until Wednesday. Now get out of here, you knucklehead. I love you. (laughs) On this week's episode of Crush Performance, I have a question for you. To help our athletes recover better, perform better, reduce risk of injury, and be at the highest possible state of readiness every single day, what is the most important factor in maximizing performance? If you guessed sleep, you'd be right. Sleep is one of the most powerful influencers on your daily performance. It will impact you and your performance. It will impact your development, your 
training, your learning, and your recovery. On this week's episode of Crush Performance, we're talking sleep science with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.